there is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Hi, and welcome back to Net Zero Carbon, the show at FreightWaves, where we deep dive into decarbonization with a special focus on freight, fuels, and energy. I'm your host, Tyler Cole, and today I've got the honor of being joined by Matt LaDuke, CEO of Forum Mobility. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Tyler. Happy to be here. I'm happy to have you on and to really expose Forum to our list, or expose our listeners to Forum. You and I caught up brief, uh, briefly recently, and I'm just enamored with the business model and the team and what you guys are doing out there on the West Coast. So I'd love for you to just start us off with a brief intro on who is Matt and who is Forum. Sure. Um, well, I've been working in the infrastructure world for well since I got out of school. Um, I, I got into the renewables business about 20 years ago as actually an installer. Um, I was a in the trades before um, and, and got a job in renewables and uh, eventually worked my way into the investing side um, and uh, spent about eight years at a company called Nextera. That's the largest owner of uh, renewable energy in the world um, and was focused um, on running a business unit that was looking at things on the distribution system, um, which if you're in the power business, the distribution system is, is very different than the transmission system. Um, and it was there a few years ago that I came across this electrification business um, and that uh, it was just going to be huge. Um, it was going to be um, kind of the next wind and solar. Um, and it was going to have a lot of capital. Um, it was also going to have a lot of policy and regulatory. It was going to have a lot of real estate. It was just going to have a lot of things that needed to happen over the next couple of decades. Um, I left NextEra in 2020, sadly, it's a great company, um, and uh, sought out to start Forum Mobility with a few partners. Um, and we founded Forum Mobility formally. Uh, we incorporated it last year in May um, with the intention to focus the business on drayage specifically, um, and specifically building a, a network of, of large charging depots and enabling any fleet, whether it's large or small. Um, to make the transition in a really simple transaction, a really simply uh, a, a cost per month transaction. Um, and we do that by, by bringing together the trucks and the depots um, and kind of aggregating a lot of scale um, and, and building a network that is you know, anywhere, ideally a, a operator uh, of a truck that wants to move a container in and out of a port to a distribution center wants to be. And so... Forum Mobility was born. Uh, we raised some some seed money last year. Um, we're in the midst of raising a much larger pool of capital, um, and we're still um, focused on drainage. And we are even more focused on drainage than we were uh, at the beginning. It's just a fascinating uh, market and problem to fix. Love hearing it, and I've enjoyed seeing how you guys are tackling the problem because one of the the few joys as a consumer you have is when you find a product and it seems maybe not too good to be true, but you don't understand all of the complexity that goes into it. The person who gives you the product has made it so simple and so easy to use that you just delight the customer in that way. It seems like Forum is trying to tackle a lot of the, the headaches of getting such large infrastructure, capital-intensive projects off the ground, including regulatory risk, price risk, um, timing risk. Um, how have you guys assembled the team to be able to, to do all of that? Yeah, I mean, 
luckily, again, I've, I've spent a couple of decades in infrastructure, and this is very much an infrastructure business. Um, you know, at its core, what we are delivering is not terribly unlike delivering a power unit to a utility. Um, in the case of power, you go build a power plant, you sell megawatt hours to a utility, they buy them. Um, and, and what you're doing essentially, if you're in Southern California, is, is you're making uh, SCE's life very, very easy. Like you're, there's all this thing, there's all these permits, there's all these construction cut risks and costs, and there's hedges that have to be done, and there's capital that has to be raised. But at the end of the day, you're just delivering a unit. Um, and that's very similar to what we need to do to make trucking and this transition around drayage equally simple uh, for the consumer. We just need to deliver a unit, which in this case is a fully charged truck every single day in a secure lot with maintenance. Um, and that unit needs to be predictable. It needs to not escalate. Uh, it needs to be fixed and simple. Um, and that's what we do. So we, we, we build a depot. Um, we, we take all the incentives. We take all the capital. We do all the maintenance. We roll, we roll everything up just like you would with a power plant. And the unit that we deliver is a fully charged truck every single day for the operator. Um, and so it's not terribly different than what we've been doing in, in some ways. Um, it's obviously a very, very different market and a market that we have to understand all the nuances of. But when it comes to building the team, um, we can pull on, I can pull on some some folks that I've worked with also for decades, like Adam Browning, who you had um, on your previous show, who's you know probably the best policy person in the renewables business that I've ever been around. Um, and we can assemble a group of, of folks like Adam. Um, we have electrical engineers. We've brought folks in out of the trucking. Um, we have one of the co-founders of Ampli, which was one of the early leaders in electrification on the team. And so we've been able to kind of pool a team together of, of folks that we know in a business that we we understand from the infrastructure side. Really, really encouraging and good to hear. And I I, I enjoyed talking with Adam. I learned a lot more about how policy is accelerating the deployment of fleet electrification. I'd love to maybe talk a little bit about the selection of drayage. We know that that policy is playing a big role, right? As we're seeing the advanced clean truck ruling and uh, geographies like California that are requiring zero emission vehicles to start being deployed. And kind of by default with the technology and the models and makes and range we have available, drayage is the perfect solution for that on top of the port requirements. What most people don't know is most of the operators in Dre operations are small fleets, right? Small owner operators. Um, historically, those were some of the cheapest moves. They they could get started by buying an older truck and operate it, and that's why we saw so many air quality issues in a lot of these um, in a lot of these cities. How do we balance the need for these small independent businesses to really go to top of the line new clean equipment um, while also balancing the need? for you know, improved air quality in these communities where the dray trucks are going in or out. What, can you just like unpack that dilemma a little bit? Yeah, I mean, unpacking it is, I mean, there's so much to unpack. It's insane, right? I mean, that you have these two competing things. You have, you have, you have economic and environmental justice uh, fighting each other. And I'll, I'll explain that a little bit more. I mean, if you live in Wilmington, California or West Oakland, you absolutely deserve better air. I mean, in... I hope there's no debate about that. I mean, there's a stat that I, I saw that Wilmington, California, if you live there, you have a 98% higher likelihood of contracting cancer than if you do in the, live in the broader LA basin. And so from 
an environmental justice standpoint, like these communities are demanding this and then, and rightfully so. I mean, when you look at asthma rates, when you look at, you know, the, the health effects of living next to a port, it, it, it is not really a debate. And if it is a debate, you're wrong about um, what you think, because it, it is unquestionably not the best place to live from an air quality standpoint. So they need it. Like, this has to happen. Um, and there's, there's more than trucks, obviously, but trucks are a contributor there. So you have environmental justice on one hand, um, throwing down the gauntlet in a very appropriate way. On the flip side of that, you have, like you said, of the 30 plus thousand trucks registered in California on the ARB drainage list, 80% of them are owner operators. Um, and those, those are people who run a business and they are, they deserve to run a business. They built this business. They went out and bought those trucks, probably in response to the previous clean truck rules that were, were developed, um, in 2008 and nine in California. And they went out and did that and they built themselves a business. And, you know, from an economic justice standpoint, they deserve a soft landing. You can't, you, you can't smash small businesses with regulations because that promotes what ha- happens very frequently in large transitions. This is exactly why large capitalized entities win when there's a major transition. Um, and the major transition that's happening now is very acutely to the benefit of the large, well-capitalized folks. And so as a company, you know, the way I built the company and founded the company with my co-founders is that you know, we're absolutely a, a commercial enterprise. We're not a nonprofit, um, but there is a mission here. And we need to do um, on the policy and regulatory side, the right thing for, uh, for our customers, which in this case, the biggest customer base is the owner operator market. And so we need policymakers and regulators and rule makers to do things that will support that transition of the little fleets out there and the individual truck fleets and ensure that that transition is done economically. Um, and so I think there's, there's a really simple thing. And I mean, the LA Times wrote an editorial yesterday that was basically, you know, the ports need to do better. They need to charge higher clean truck fees. And that's going to solve the air quality problem around the ports. But it's just not that simple. You, 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 you have to do both. You have to create justice for the communities around the ports and give them clean air. You have to create justice for the folks who run our goods and are the backbone of our supply chain, getting containers out of ports to distribution centers. And you have to give them a soft landing as well. And so from our standpoint, you know, we need to build infrastructure that's accessible for anybody, but we need to do our work in Sacramento as well in the case of California and ensure that loan guarantee programs, HBIP voucher programs, uh, Carl Moyer program, all the programs that are accessible are specifically accessible to the owner operators and small fleets um, and specifically accessible to them either directly or through us as well. I think that is such an admirable goal and worthy of praise, to be honest. We don't see enough of that. Um, I love the help, I hate to call it a helping hand because it is a business, but we understand that when you're a small business, you're the driver, you're the dispatcher, you're the load planner, you're the front and back office. Uh, and a lot of time, you definitely don't have a policy director on your staff when you're in that example. So I like the idea of packaging this up in a solution that's plug and play for a lot of these fleets. So maybe tell us a little bit about 
Um, you mentioned you guys are going through a fundraise. Where are you at in the development of the business? Do you have any short near-term targets? Are there fleets on the road now? Um, just catch us up on where Forum is today and where you're going. Yeah, um, we were fortunate to find what is probably the single best first customer in the history of a startup business. It was pretty serendipitous. We met um, Rudy Diaz from Height Logistics, who uh, operates out of Long Beach, um, and we were able to build a facility that we could put six trucks into, we'll call that a micro depot, um, near Rudy's office there in Long Beach. Um, we have our first three trucks showing up um, actually next week, um, and those uh, those trucks are going to be on the charging equipment that we're building and operating there. Um, we're going to have a few more OEMs falling in behind that. Those first three trucks are BYDs. Um, and yeah, we're, we're going to get trucks on the road. We're going to get software talking to the trucks that are talking to the chargers that are talking to us. Um, and we're going to start getting um, immersed in uh, with, with height uh, logistics, um, who, by the way, is also another case of, I think, the evolving um, 3PL in this case, in that Rudy has historically used the owner-operator model. Those owner operators have worked for Rudy um, loyally for years, and, royal, and and Rudy's been loyal to them. He's a he's an incredible human being. Um, and those first trucks that we're providing were, were former owner operators that are going to become Rudy's first employed drivers. Um, and so there's a good story there at height as well. And so we're going to have um, trucks operating. Um, those drivers are going to be getting into them in the coming days. And uh, and from there, we're going to be building out our network. Um, we have facilities at both the Port of Long Beach and Oakland um, underway. We have facilities um, in Livermore, California, Carson, California. Uh, we have some facilities getting close in the Inland Empire um, and more out in the Central Valley. Um, and so our goal as a company is to have between five and 600 trucks worth of facilities up and running in the next 18 months. Um, we've got that land under control. Um, and then from there, as we start bringing trucks and, and, and depots up online, um, we're obviously going to need to scale that immensely um, to thousands and thousands of trucks. Because as we know, today's a, a big day. Advanced Clean Fleets is, is, has its first uh, um, big get-together in Sacramento. Um, and, and if one ACF goes through, you're going to need thousands and thousands of trucks a year to have a home to charge. Um, and so we've got, you know, we've got to get five or 600 up and running so that we can get our business on solid ground. But we've got to really go big from there and parlay this thing into, into many thousands of trucks worth of facilities. Such an exciting time and early, early innings. Um, a lot of fun things coming, I'm sure. How can we think about this market opportunity? It's so big. You're talking thousands of trucks in a short amount of time. We know that the the deadlines that they've imposed in the state of California and other geographies on eliminating new sales of combustion vehicles will be here tomorrow, essentially. Is this a um, a market where we need to see more startups like Forum? And if so, you know, do you have any advice for someone who's looking at a market like this, whether in California or elsewhere? Like, how should an entrepreneur be thinking about taking advantage of this nascent opportunity? Yeah, I think that we need everybody. I mean, you know, I think there's a stat um, and, 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 and people have had varying degrees of how many chargers per day um, need to get built. But in short, it's dozens. It's you know somewhere between 30 and 60 chargers a day need to be put in the ground in California between you know, now and 2035 to accommodate the transition that's going to happen. And so just think about what 
what that means, right? Think about how many construction jobs, if you want to be a service provider as an electrical contractor, there's going to be a lot of work here. Um, if you want to create software that is going to optimize fleets, there's going to be a lot of optimization that needs to happen. And if you're moving containers, um, I will say that there is going to be a lot more demand for charging than there is going to be available charging. Um, we're going to see a lot of the beneficial cargo owners um, seeing this as a opportunity to reduce scope three emissions, um, which as you and I know, Tyler, is is a big priority for, for several of the largest BCOs out there. Um, and that I think that if, if you are um, a provider of services to those BCOs, um, I think that there's an opportunity now to to brand yourself as somebody that can help support them in this journey. Because scope three is the next frontier um, for them. I think they're doing a good job on scope one and two, but this is an opportunity, I think, to take advantage of that. And, and you know, I will say once once you kind of get some capacity on the grid allocated to you and your fleet, um, there's gonna be a lot of competitions for subsequent capacity. Um, just to put into perspective how much capacity just drainage needs, um, it's roughly two and a half gigawatts. Um, and so what's a gigawatt? Like, uh, it's it's a, a gigawatt is a thousand megawatts. Um, the Diablo Canyon nuclear power plant in California that is one of the, the saviors of our grid a few months ago um, is about 2.2 gigawatts. Uh, that's the large nuclear power plant in San Luis Obispo. So you need so much. And as we start thinking about the the areas that we have to go build that much charging capacity in, you know, LA, Long Beach, out to the IE, Oakland, uh, and and out to the Central Valley, you can start kind of wrapping your head around. There's going to be a lot more need for land and capacity than there is land and capacity. So I think as an entrepreneur, um, you know, if you if you if you buy into this and you believe in it and you believe the BCOs are going to be driving business towards this direction because of their ESG goals then I think you have a great opportunity to get out of it um, with some of the early facilities. And I, I think there's going to need to be a lot more forums um, to answer your other question. I think we're going to be really, really good at this. We are, we are, this is what we've, we've done for decades, and we've done billions of dollars worth of this stuff, but there's going to need to be more than just forum. Um, there, there's there's going to be a lot of people putting their heads together on how to fix this problem. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Such, such great perspective and an open challenge to anyone out there who's trying to tackle the same problem. I love the way you're thinking about it. And I would encourage everybody who is willing to tackle this problem to view first mover advantage as a real tangible asset and to think of themselves, especially if you're any service provider in any B2B setting as a decarbonization enabler, someone who can help your customers reach their ESG goals. Uh, Because even just instilling that mindset within your corporate culture will allow you to move further and faster than trying to go it alone or thinking about just accomplishing your own goals. Like we all have to do this and work together. So, um, you know, kudos to you and the forum team on, on being, you know, a quick mover in this space. That does ask a question of me there. I'm just curious, where did the name Forum Mobility come from? Oh, we have another company called Forum Energy Partners. Um, 
we like the word forum. It, it, it's a word uh, that rolls off the tongue well. And, and we bring people together. Our other company, Forum Energy Partners, is actually one of the largest providers of engineering and construction services to infrastructure funds. Um, and so when we started Forum Mobility, it was uh, the same three partners and I. So there's four of us in total. Uh, and we decided to name it Forum Mobility. Uh, so if you look at the Forum Energy Partners website, you'll see some similarities in logo and name. Um, and it's probably also just a condition of the four of us not being the greatest marketing people. So once we had a decent enough name, we just used it again. <laughs> hey, there is nothing wrong with that. I wasn't sure if there was any like Roman ties to marketplaces or things like that. So I love it. I love no, it. It's like four guys sitting around a beer hall just saying like Forum. Forum sounds nice. <laughs> so I love it. Hey, Matt, tell me, I ask everybody who comes on the show, and I've heard your heart towards this a little bit already. Why is this important? Was there a wake-up call for you? Renewables has been something you've been active in it, you know, for decades, but um, maybe talk a little bit more personally why, you know, sustainability in general is an important topic for you. I think I've just been compelled to do it. Um, I've been environmentalist pretty unapologetically, I will say too. I mean, I think that if you're going to do something, um, you should spend your time doing something that's, that's good. Um, I also am a capitalist, also unapologetically so. And if you're going to do something good, you might as well do something that's growing fast. Um, you know, with respect to this, like, I, I can't put my finger on it because it, it happened to me with renewables. Um, I, I found a company when I was a kid just getting out of college. Um, and I became obsessed with that company. It was called Powerlight. Um, it became SunPower um, later in, in life. Um, it was the only place I wanted to work. Um, and I tried to get a job there for a year. Um, and I pestered them and called them. And I think I either wore them down to like the point of they were going to get a restraining order or hire me. And they hired me. Um, and in, I will say the similar compulsion has come up with this. And that this is happening. It's going. Um, we had to do something. And when we found the complexities of drainage, um, it was just a, there was no other choice. Um, this is where we had to spend our time, and this is where I had to spend my time with the business. Um, I, I can't put my finger on it, but it's it, it's a big problem that needs fixing, and it's complicated, and it takes a lot of focus, and it's and it's the only place we really want to spend our time. Um, my other three partners are your consummate engineers. Uh, they are not wide and shallow people whatsoever. They are they go deep in the deep, 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 narrow um, when they focus. Uh, and I think we all like that kind of mindset and, and we're compelled in this space with the dredge. Um, and I also just say, you know, as, as a capitalist, like I spent a lot of time watching renewables grow and I think I helped a lot of companies, you know, reap the benefits of it. And when we saw this opportunity in um, electrification and this transition, it was, we had gained the skills over our careers that we could, we could be on top of that now. Um, and so when we saw this, it was kind of like a now or never moment. Um, we're we're going to get into this and, uh, and it's our turn um, to build something um, of scale and size and space. Um, and so that's the other side of it, um, that we saw a, a massive market coming and, and we knew we'd never forgive ourselves if we didn't build something in it. I relate to that story and those feelings. Thank you for sharing that. So last question before we go, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. We know California is ground zero for this. What markets do you see this happening in next and by what date? I won't hold you to it, but I am curious of your guesses. 
Yeah, I have no problem answering that. I mean, this is, so I'll give you like a, a little bit of background. I mean, NextEra became the biggest owner of renewables in the world because you follow the policy. Um, and if you follow the policy, um, you'll, you'll, you'll know where the projects are coming up. And so you can just take a look today at who is um, signed up for, uh, to, to be part of advanced clean trucks. Um, in the future, you have your Oregons, you have your Washingtons, your New Jerseys, your New Yorks. Um, but I would predict that the Vancouver and the Seattle-Tacoma area seem to have all the makings from you know, their scale at those ports. There's political will. Um, and there are programs already in place around low-carbon fuel standards um, that are going to need to be enhanced. But but the groundwork is already there. The political will is already there and the market is already there. Um, and if I had to predict a next market that would be a focus to forum, it's going to be following the groundwork that that policy and those markets have built in the Northwest. Excellent. Makes a lot of sense. And I, again, I'm trying to find things I disagree with you on, Matt. It's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> Good. We're on the same page. <laughs> exactly. Hey, thank you so much for taking some time this afternoon and sharing with the listeners what forum's up to. And we definitely want to get you back on, um, you know, in the very near term and understand where you guys are at in the progress. So, Good luck and God bless and thank you guys. Thanks, Tyler. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. 